Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm feeling pretty good myself. I don't know about you. Uh, if you're not, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I am. I'm going to tell you. Let me, uh, first I want to give this word. I forgot to give it in the first service to in the middle of it. But there's a scripture. The Lord gave it to me this morning for some people in this room. The scripture, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Got that? The Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. So what the Lord was saying, many times, not all the times, our want is tied to the first part of that. Okay? If you are having want in your life, lack, if there's needs in your life that don't seem to get fulfilled, you need to look at the first part of that. The Lord is my shepherd. Have you really allowed the Lord to be the Lord in your life? Are you, y'all got that? And because, of, because in that area of your life, he doesn't have lordship, there's lack. Because if he is, there's not going to be the lack. Now, that's just the truth. Y'all got that? So I know that applies to some people in this room, probably all of us, honestly, if you want to get brutal. You want to get brutal this morning, brutally honest, brutally real? I like that, all that. That's where it happens. All right, so uh, Lenora had a dream. I'm going to use this little illustration to tell you what I want to talk to you about this morning just a little bit. Lenora had a dream, Lenora Burning, and in the dream, our church was hosting a healing conference. And there was a lot of people at this healing conference. And she looked around and she said, but nobody needs healing. Okay, they were all healthy people in their bodies. But then she noticed this woman that had this big wooden stake driven into her head. It was a healing of the minds. Okay, that's what the conference really was. That was what the healing conference was, to heal people's minds. And this woman reached up and pulled that and said, I'm, and the Lord said, I'm going to show you how easy it is to get your mind healed. She reached up and pulled that stake out of her mind. Okay? And there was a healing that happened in her life. So that's really what the Lord wants to do this morning is He wants to heal some minds. And if you remember last week, and, or if you don't remember, it doesn't matter to me, whatever you remember is between you and God, not between me and you and God. But if you remember, I talked to you about opinions, how strong opinions will keep us out of the flow of the Spirit, keep us from being able to hear God, the critical things we need to hear Him, and keep us really from being able to move in the Spirit realm completely is our strong opinions. And I've said one of the ways to know if an opinion is, is wrong is is it creating bitterness or is it creating criticism? Okay? And if it is, that's a bad fruit, and you realize that opinion is not the Lord's opinion. So when you So think about it. And so I want you to get convicted again about that because I had a rough week this week okay I thought man I'm having a rough week this week I wrote several emails <laughs> and thank God I didn't send them I saved them and then went back and read them again thought I shouldn't send that because I was getting pushed pretty hard this week and my opinion was getting activated and the Lord was giving me a chance to eat, eat that eat that word in a fresh way you hear what I'm saying and that's it's not easy but it's a choice. It really is a choice. So I really want to encourage you about the opinion thing because when you release your opinion to the Lord, He'll give you His opinion. It really is an exchange. Your opinion for His opinion. Okay? And when you really release your opinion to Him, and He'll give you His opinion about something, He also gives you the grace to hold His opinion. And then, then that, that bitterness, that criticism will go away in your life. Amen? All right, let me read this Philippians 2, 5 through 6. Uh, have this attitude. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is about attitude, okay? Have this attitude. Attitude is another, another thought. It's another thing of the mind that God wants to rid, rid us of. And if you'll, if you'll get a hold of these things, uh, this stuff really works in your life. This really will help you connect to the spirit world. Have this attitude in yourself. Uh, New King James says, let this mind be in you. That's, that's how they... Uh, I love this attitude because it really is a good uh, uh, explanation of that word mind there. Uh, and I'll get into that to a bit. But let, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Okay, so I wanna, I'm going to back this into you. I want to talk to you about grasping. Okay, everybody in this room, we've, we've had in our life, we've had this attitude of grasping for things. Okay, and that is, that is not an attitude of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that is not an attitude of a person who's walking in the abundance of the Father's house. That's not a person who has a, a, who has a real good understanding, a good relationship with God the Father. 
If you're, whatever you're grasping for, and it could be anything, you could be grasping for, for, for friendship, for healing, for, you know, for, even for a revival. If we're grasping, we're missing it. Period. Because Jesus never grasped for nothing in his life. He never grasped for one healing that he did. He didn't grasp to raise a person from the dead. He never grasped to get any message that he preached. Nothing. He never grasped. He was not a grasper because he didn't have to. Because he lived from another source. He lived from a source of already having an abundance in his life. And see, that's really the key for your mind is living out of, out of that source. Um, let me just tell you this little story. I had this little, little thing that happened to me that was really good. Uh, yesterday was Madeline, my granddaughter's birthday. She's two years old. And this was her first birthday that she got stuff for her birthday that would be significant stuff in her sister's eyes, who's four years old, Emma. Okay? So I was interested to see Emma's response to the blessings that, that Madeline and the attention that Madeline was going to get. Okay? And... You know what? She did really well. I mean, it was like an all-day event. You know, we had Emma, Emma really participated in making her cake, and she did have one, one little little breakdown, but I think that was because of, the, because of the mamas and the grandmas. When she was trying to help open the presents, they got a little, little jumpy, and, you know, Emma's a little sensitive soul, so if you get jumpy on her, she'll get her feelings hurt real easy. But she did really well. And see, that's a thing, to me, that is a way to, for us to really understand some things about ourselves. It's how we respond to, number one, other people's blessings. When another person's being blessed, when another person's being encouraged, when God's using somebody else, we see something on them. How, does, how do we feel? Okay, how, honestly, let's get real here. How do you feel? Sometimes we don't feel good, do we? Sometimes we have this thing called resentment that rises up in our hearts. You know what I'm saying? That tells you there's a grasping in you. That tells you there's something in you that's not healthy, okay, in the realm of your, your soul and mind. Or the other one is, is when people are going through difficulties. You know, the wonderful thing about Jesus, he would weep with people. He wept when Lazarus died. He wept, okay? He would weep instead of, you know... Pulling out the old list of, well, you know, this is why you, why you died, Lazarus. You didn't eat good. You didn't have a faith. You know, you didn't, you know, you didn't get a hold of me soon enough. You know, the list. Let, let me tell you what happened to you. I'm going to tell you this. This is a great thing that happened to me one time. For me personally, I had a friend of mine call me one night. Is it on a Friday night? You know, I was going to have me a nice Friday night. I wasn't interested in having no conversation like that. You know, one of those conversations, like, I need you. <laughs> no, you don't. I'm at home. I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to grill me a steak. Becky was gone. I was going to have me a little personal party. <laughs> he said, I need to talk to you. Yeah. I need to talk to you. Can I come over and talk to you? So I said, okay. Yes, you can come. <laughs> My Lord. Now you know what I do behind the phone. <laughs> I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> He's having a bad time in his life. And so I... I was sitting there in the house, and it was dark. I was by myself. I had it all lights off, and I was sitting there. Lord, what am I going to I knew about the situation. What am I going to say to this man? And this is the only thing the Lord said to me. Don't be Job's friends. You know what Job's friends did to Job? In other words, somebody comes with all their problems, and you start telling them, oh, well, you know, maybe there's this sin in your life, Matthew. You know, that you have unrepentant. You know, you go through this thing with people. Now, there's a time... That kind of thing. But the Lord was saying, it's not a time for that. You stay out of my way. Basically, he was telling me to stay out of my way. And here's what happened. My friend came over and talked to me. And I basically didn't say anything. I, I had nothing to say. God didn't tell me anything. So I was just sitting there, just listening to him. And I watched that man come to the end of his rope, sitting right there in my living room. I watched him come to the end. You know how you had to talk about come to the end of yourself? I watched him do it. The Lord let me witness that. I felt honored by the Lord to witness that. Even though it was as painful and as difficult, he had to. And two weeks later, he called me. And everything in his life had turned around. He had had major, major, major breakthrough in his life because he came to the end of himself and because I kept my mouth shut. You see what I'm saying? If you notice how Jesus would do with people, people would come to Jesus. Can you imagine the lepers coming to Jesus and, I told you, you, you've got leprosy because you hung around with the wrong crowd. 
Can you imagine Jesus doing that? No, he never did that. He just healed them when they asked him to. Y'all right? <laughs> I want us to get that this morning because you see, that's, that, has to, that has to do with a grasping heart. The way we treat others really is manifested in that. And the way we think about it. See, the Lord got me on a couple of things where, and I had to tell him, Lord, I all right, let me just be honest with you. I, have, I, I got a friend of mine who's running for Congress. He's in another state. And he sent me this email, and I was looking at it, and I went to a YouTube and was watching his speech, and I had this criticism in my heart against him. Why is he doing that? He shouldn't be doing that. And I realized right then, you know what, Lord? I need to be rejoicing that this guy is stepping out there and is running for Congress instead of having this negative attitude towards him, this graspy thing. That's what it is, because it, it, it comes from lack. It comes from not... It comes from that you don't have something. And because he's doing something that's significant, it makes you look bad. You see what I'm saying? That'll tell on you. Mm-hmm. It really will. It really will. You know, we really need to ask the Lord to help us. Jesus never grasped. Uh, there's a law in the spiritual world. If you really want to involve yourself into the spiritual world, if you really want to go into the spiritual world, if you really do want to see the spiritual world open, there's lots of things. But one of the things you need to do and you'll get to do is learn the laws of the spiritual world. There's law, the laws that govern the spiritual world, just like there's laws that govern the natural world. And, this, they're, they're, and they're in the Bible. It's fascinating. Uh, and, but one of those laws is the harder you try, the less you get. In other words, if you tr- are trying to see angels, trying to hear stuff, trying to smell stuff, trying to do all that, guess what's going to happen? The harder you try to do it, the less it's going to happen in your life. The harder you try to hear God, the less you're going to hear God. That's the law of the spiritual world. It's called grasping. Grasping doesn't work in heaven. Okay? It's because in the spiritual realm, listen to this. This is important for you to understand. Heaven is not only a place, but it's a state of being. Okay? Heaven's a state of being, also a place. It'll be a place, but it'll be a state of being. Okay? What is peace? Peace is a state of being, right? Right? Kingdom of God's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let me read this scripture to you, Ephesians 2, 6. Are y'all good? Now, this will help you if you'll, if you'll get it. Uh, and he uh, raised up, Ephesians 2, 6, with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that's the right, the first order of really being able to connect to the spiritual world, or really going up into the spiritual realm, is learning how to sit down. You got that? Learning how to sit down. Until we learn how to sit down, we're not going nowhere. That's, that's, the, that's the law. That's the rule. As you sit, you allow. You, that's why that scripture uh, that I read to you in Philippians, uh, allow or let, let this mind, have this mind, have it. It's available. It's not something you have to grasp and reach out to get on. You, you just receive it. Now, I want to share this, this. Y'all don't mind me sharing things out of my life, do you? I hope you don't, because I don't have anything else to share. I don't want to just try to share some kind of doctrine or something. I want to share something that's real. This is what happened to me a couple years ago along this line of sitting down, or like in Kalani's song, just let go. That was a very powerful, just let go, just lean back and let go. Some of you need to do that. I'm telling you, it really is. Just lean back and let go. Well, here's what happened to me. I had this really thing to happen. I don't know if it was, you know, I, I don't, you can't tell sometimes if it's a dream or it's a vision or if it's, it seems like it's actually happening. And it seems like you're awake when this happens, but maybe you're not. I don't know. I haven't figured it out. But I was in, I had put, I was alone. Becky had gone was with her mom or something. I had gotten in bed and put my head on the pillow and was laying there thinking like I'm thinking now, conscious. And all of a sudden I heard the front door like somebody had kicked the front door in. Okay, and it scared the fire out of me. I was scared to death because I thought at that moment somebody's breaking in the house and they're going to get me like they'd want me. <laughs> but I was scared, man. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. I was almost, almost frozen in fear. I was so scared. But then this thought came into my mind, and the thought was this. The dogs are not barking. You know, we got two dogs in the house, and they make noise when things happen. And I thought, the dogs are not barking. This must be spiritual. Well, I hope it's spiritual at least. <laughs> you know? 
Well, at that moment, suddenly I was in a different place. And I was standing looking at a runway, okay, airplane runway. And there was this fighter jet. And somehow I knew I was that fighter jet. I don't know how to explain that more than that. I just knew that's me. And that fighter jet was doing this. It was taxiing up one way, runway, and then it would turn around and taxi the other. And just doing that. You know, I realized that's, that's my, been my Christian life. I've never really taken off. I've really never even gone. All I've done is just went through the motion, just taxiing up, taxiing down. And then this voice behind me said, go crawl on the back of that. I'm thinking, go crawl on the back of that? A fighter plane. I mean, this is a, you know, like an F-15 kind of airplane. You know, This is one of these mean planes. Go crawl on it. You know, and all this stuff was going through my mind at the time. Like, you know, I can't, that thing's, I can't crawl on the back. That's dangerous. I'll get killed. And, but I went ahead and did it anyway because, you know, what else are you going to do? You know, like, no, I'm not crawling on it. I mean, I don't even know if I'm awake or asleep. I don't even know why that plane's me and I'm having to crawl on the back of me. You know, I don't understand this. So I walk down here and I crawl up on the back of this plane, okay? And I grab the front, you know, like the front of the wing. And about that time, when I did that, you know, that plane, the afterburner thing. Y'all know what the afterburner thing is? All of a sudden, this person driving the plane put the afterburners on. And the plane started trembling. You know, it was just trembling. It was sitting there. You know, the afterburners, like he's got, it's like putting the brakes on your car and mashing the gas all the way down. Because you you're going to let go of the gas and just take off. And that's really sort of what the afterburner does. It's like all the power that the jet's got, it had, and all of a sudden it started going. And I'm on the back of this plane holding on. I mean, we're talking white knuckle. Now, let's really, in the natural, that would be impossible. It would sling you off immediately. There's no way you could do this. I'm hanging on to this plane, and I am screaming, it's going to, you know, you know it's going to kill me. And I could literally feel the heat from the engines, okay, coming up. I could just feel it, I mean, because they're hot. And I could feel the wind. I could feel my jaws doing this. You know how the wind, I could feel them. They were going back and this plane's going, I'm, you know, I mean, I started screaming. I was protesting, you know, being on it. I'm going to die, you know. And, and I, heard, I heard this voice that told me to get on it, you know. <laughs> I, told, I heard him say, let go. And, you know, I, I really protested. Let go, I'm going to die, you know. I mean, it was crazy. So I had this conversation with this voice, you know, about letting go. I was scared. I was scared. I, was, I knew I was going to die. This thing's going to kill me. I just knew it was over with. And finally, he just said, he said, you just trust me and let go. And I did. And this was strange. By the time I got to that point, the plane had already broken the atmosphere. It was already up in, it was in space, you know, like it was up there where the stars are. And I, and I let go. I, I realized I didn't fly off of it. And I just stood up on it. And I was just sort of walking around on top of this airplane that was just going, like, going to heaven. I mean, it was streaking up there. And I was just sort of walking around on it. And it was because I had let go and quit holding on. I quit grasping for my life and quit grasping for what I had, you know, for, the, for myself and just let go. And the Lord met me. In that letting go. And that's really what, how Jesus lived his life. Jesus never grasped for anything. He never held on for anything. And then I woke up back in my bed like, oh my gosh, did that really happen? Was that really true? Did that really happen? The next day, the Lord said, I'm going to confirm to you that did indeed happen to you, Byron, in the Spirit. The next day, I walked into this restaurant that I have never been in in my entire life in another town, okay? I walk in the door and it was a poster on an air show and there sits that jet. Isn't that amazing? I need, oh, Lord, this is good. <laughs> I need to let go. Just let go. One time, Becky was leading worship, and uh, she was struggling. Anybody ever struggled in doing any ministry? Like, oh, i got to go lead worship. I'm feeling like, I mean, you know, what the heck is that? I mean, why are we even doing worship for? Why do we even have music in the church? <laughs> you know, you start thinking, why do they preach in church? I don't want to preach. <laughs> you know, that's what you think. I can't understand this. Well, she was thinking that way. I ain't really believing in this no more, this theology. We need to be a church of Christ or something where they don't believe in music. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, we thought about that. Yeah, that's sad. They need some music, Lord. Give them some music. Heaven's full of music. They need to hear heaven so they can start playing music in the church. We need to pray for them that they would do that. 
Anyways, she asked the Lord what to do, and the Lord gave her a vision on what to do to make it work. Guess what it was? It was a chair. Just sit down. Just sit down. And that's really what the Lord's calling us to do in our hearts, to sit down. Stop grasping. Try to start, stop trying to get a hold of something and sit down with Christ and allow Him to give you everything that the Father already has for you. It's already there. So that's what an attitude is. You know, the term attitude means, out, uh, out, well, let me just say the, the saying attitude. This, it's not what it means. Attitude, I'm not trying to preach to you because if I was, I'd be making, doing a failure here. Okay, I'm having a hard time getting my words out, but I don't care. I'm over here talking to you, and I'm telling you something that's going to help you. If you can overcome my stupidity, <laughs> okay? Attitude determines altitude. Now, that is a true, that's true in the spirit world. That's not just in the natural world. You, you know, you can have a bad attitude in class, like you don't like the teacher, I, you, know, I, you know, all that you do when you was kids, and not do well in that class, right? Because of the bad attitude, the low attitude. So, so in the natural it works. I hope people love Chris Underwood as a, as a teacher. Wouldn't you have loved to have Chris Underwood to teach you when you were in whatever grade? What, middle school? Gosh, that's awesome. They got a great bunch of teachers at the MCA. I'll give MCA a plug here. They got Andy Squires. Well, okay. Matthew Bowen. No, Andy would have been a great. Andy, Chris Underwood, uh, Matthew, Marlon. Marlon's teaching physics, man. Come on. Andrew Stein. Corey Mead, I mean, ah, Jan, I mean, come on. That's a great bunch of teachers. I teachers that would love you and probably, you know, help you. Anyways, attitude determines altitude, okay, in our spiritual life. It really does. Whatever attitude that you carry, that's why he said have this attitude in yourself. And then he said don't be a grasper. Let this attitude of Christ be the thing that's in you. Now, I want to give you a definition of attitude from the iPhone dictionary. Not from that other one. What was y'all calling that? Huh? Blackberry? That is another one now. Android. Don't get an Android. I saw Brian Kelson's Android, and I was totally unimpressed. He showed it to me. He said, I got something better than what you've got. I looked at it and said, it's junk. It's low level. You know what an Android is? You ever heard of a Me Too I, I, me too. Uh, this is the original, and the Android's. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, me too. You know, that's what it is. I looked at it. It's light. It's flimsy. It's it's not good. I, as you can tell, I have a great attitude about my iPhone. But this is this is what attitude, this is what attitude means. A complex mental state. And that's that's really what it is. It's really like, and this is what it involves: beliefs. Everybody has beliefs that cause you to have a certain attitude. Arthur Burton said it for years. Your believing rules you. You don't rule your believing. Whatever you believe is going to rule your life. That's, that's part of attitude. Beliefs, feelings, how you feel about stuff. Values, what you value, and your overall disposition, which causes you to act in certain ways. Okay? Now, that's really where God wants to get us, is our attitude about each other, about him, about what he's doing, okay? And that's really where he, want, he wants to take us. Now, let me just show you something on that word attitude. Really, literally, in the Bible, that word means mindset, okay? That's a literal. And here's one of the scriptures, Romans 8, 6, which I think she has, yeah. For the mindset, that's the same word for attitude right there, mindset. On the flesh is death. Notice it doesn't say it causes death. It just says it is death. It don't cause death. It's death. If you have a mindset on flesh, it's death. You're operating in death up here. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. That's, that's what that attitude will do for you. Your attitude is, going, is, is either you're going to walk around with death or you're going to walk around with life and peace based on attitude. This, that's really the Bible. Now, Colossians 3.2, I don't know if she has that one. Lord bless her. She's learning how crazy I am. It says, set your mind, set your mind, that's a mindset, on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. That's what the Bible tells us to do, and we really can do that, have a mindset towards spiritual things all the time, all the time. And that's where we should be setting our minds, towards the spirit realm, 
in the situation that we're in, like in the home right, with raising children. What is God's mindset about this? What's God's attitude about these children? How, does, how would God uh, tend to these children, etc.? Well, you've heard the story of the, of the little birds. How many people have seen a bird make a nest? Anybody ever watched them? It's pretty fascinating, and they work really hard. Have you ever noticed how hard birds work to build nests? They'll go get a little stick, and then, they'll, and then a few minutes later they'll have a little piece of brush, and they will just spend hours doing that. Well, get this picture. On top of your little head, my little head, there's these birds that come, and they have these little sticks, and they'll drop them up there. Okay? And then they'll go get another little stick. And over a period of time, if we don't do something about it, those little sticks build a nest that's sitting right up here on our head, literally in our heads. And what those sticks are, those are thoughts. Those are opinions. Those are attitudes that are being built. That's how a stronghold is built into our mind. I'm just giving you a natural picture. And guess what? Once the, the nest is built, then someone, like a serpent, comes and does what? Lays eggs in there. See, that's why I've said before, is every thought that you and I have, whether it's a thought from the Lord, a thought from the world, a thought from the devil, there is a whole thought pattern, a system of thinking that comes with it. It's not just one independent thought. In other words, if you allow a thought into your mind that's not from God, that's from the enemy, that one thought creates a, a, it creates a whole mindset in you, a whole system of thinking, a whole system of attitude. And so what we had to do is we had to take this, this, these thought patterns that had been built into us and we had to tear them down. It's like we've got to tear the nest down because it's a, a ground for the enemy to lay his eggs into our life and poison our lives and destroy our lives. So y'all got that picture? Are we okay? Are y'all all right? All right, now let me read this, something that Derek Prince said that was really fascinating when I read it. I had to think about it a bit, but it really is on the button. He said, for several, several years while I was a pastor in London, I had a tremendous struggle against depression that would come over me. It would weigh upon me and shut me in. It would shut me in. Anybody struggle with depression? Well, he's describing it. It gave me a sense of hopelessness and failure. And that was Derek Prince. He had this sense of hopelessness. And I'm going to just interject this. There's a lot of pastors. I'm talking good pastors out there have that on them. They have a sense of hopelessness and failure in their lives in terms of what they're doing. I mean, you can tell most pastors on Monday, they're looking for another job. Or they're wanting to go just run away, you know. I, you know and I was one of those people at one time, okay. I was one of those people who lived in hopelessness and a sense of failure in my life about what God had called me to do and what I was doing, okay, and some other things. But I got free from it, and I'm telling you how I got free from it today, I'm telling you this. The Lord revealed to Derek that he was not fighting against himself, but a spirit, a spirit of oppression. Okay? And through a process, the Lord delivered him of that spirit. He realized this is not just natural. You see what I'm saying? The nest was built, and then the eggs came. Now, the eggs are like the demons that attach itself to those lying thoughts, those demonic thoughts that we have. And they attach themselves to it. And, and so we start out just regular old head with a bird nest, and next thing you know, there's a spirit that, li that lives in your mind, that, that was hatched in your mind because we've allowed bad attitudes, bad thoughts, and all that stuff to, 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 to be built into our mind. Are y'all good? Y'all following this? Then, but then Derek said something that was really interesting. After he was delivered from that spirit, okay, um, he said, now... Uh, it was up to me, this is Derek, it was up to me to re reprogram my own mind. I'm thinking, wow, up to you. How could it be up to you? Well, let's think about it. He said, I habitually had negative thought patterns, negative thought patterns, which God showed me to be a denial, denial of my faith in Christ. Those negative thought patterns, those bad attitudes, those depressive thoughts, those down and out thoughts, the Lord said, Derek, those things are denial of your faith in Christ. That's pretty low. <laughs> you know, like, step back, baby. It was up to me to retrain my mind. And over a period of several years, every time a negative, pessimistic thought came to me, I would reject it. Okay? I would reject it and replace it with a positive confession from Scripture. That's pretty good, isn't it? I would just, see, that's, that, and, and you see, that's really the right thing. That's what the Bible says. Take every thought captive. I've said this before in this room. Every thought. 
every thought, every, not just bad thoughts, every thought. And some of those thoughts could be God. Do you take them captive? Because when they come to you, when God brings a thought in your mind, guess whose voice it comes in? It don't come in some, Aaron, you're a beautiful boy. It doesn't come like that. It comes in your own voice. You had to take them all captive and allow the Lord to discern which ones are Him. Some of them, you know, you know right away, but you know what those are. But those are not even the ones I'm worried about this morning, the obvious wrong ones. I'm talking about all the other secret ones. So I would reject it, place with positive And several years later, my whole inner workings had changed completely. I was a totally different person. In other words, the, the renewal of your mind is not something that happens in a day. You can't, you can't go from today being a person full of these thought patterns suddenly you have none of them in your mind. And that's not the way it works. Okay? We're transformed by the renewing. It's a process that God, but you had to start. You had to start with the thoughts. You had to deal with the thoughts when they come. And as you begin to deal with those, and see, that's what I begin to do. I begin to deal with my thinking. Because I realized my thinking was destroying me. And that's what's happening with a lot of Christians. Their thinking's destroying them. And they think everybody else is thinking something or everybody else is doing something. It's really their own thoughts. You see what I'm saying? It's getting rid of every little stick. One stick. If you had to do it one stick at a time, one stick at a time, one stick at a time, one stick at a time. And then finally you get to the eggs and you start getting the eggs out of there. You get the demons out of there. All right, let me read Romans 2, 4. Okay? Are y'all still good? Oh, we got time. I'm going to finish, man. All right, this is, this is it. Let me just say something about last year's biggest battle that we faced, that I think the body of Christ, I, well, I know we faced it in this year, and it was this question. This was the question. Is God good? Is God good when everything around you is saying He is not good? Did anybody face that question? Did anybody look that question in the eye when everything was saying God is not good and condemn Him? That's what Job, Job's wife said that. Curse God and die. Look at you. We had to face that. And thank God at our worst moment, we had someone to get up and say, God is good no matter what. That was a prophetic declaration. Donna's helping y'all. Thanks, she's helping me. Keep from messing up. Making me not sound like I'm really yelling when I really am. <laughs> hey, y'all want to see somebody preach that will make me look like a church mouse? That man sitting right there, Bill Davis. Uh, let me just say, he did this teaching in our class. He's all over the road. I mean, he's on his knees. He's standing up. I mean, he's everywhere. I have never seen anybody like that. It was awesome, though. Very powerful word. It was just hilarious watching him. You don't forget what he said, but the way he expresses it. It's, it's a tool of the Lord, I think. God's given him a gift to express with his body like I couldn't. I wouldn't try it personally. I probably couldn't walk the next day. He's got a real a lot of wisdom in, in him. I wanted to say that. Anyways, God is good all the time. So this is what it says. Do you despise the rich of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, but not knowing the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Now, this is interesting because we always relegate that Scripture to unsaved people, which it does apply to unsaved people. But let me say this. Um, what does repentance mean? It means change your mind. So here's what happens in people's lives. Graham Cook said this a few years ago. I heard him say this, and it plagued me. That's one of those thoughts that plagued me. He said, it's one thing to get your breakthrough. It's another thing to keep it. And my question was, how do you keep your breakthrough? How do you keep breakthrough? Because here's how you get it. You just receive it. God just does it. But then you get up the next morning and you begin to live out your life with this breakthrough. And this is what I have seen happen over and over and over with people in this very room. Get breakthrough, go along for a bit, and you're right back to where you were. And here's what it is. God comes with mercy because God is good. He sees you in your mess. Now, there's two ways. I'm going to show you the second way. He sees you in your mess and He loves you and He's good and He gives you a breakthrough. And you get this major breakthrough in your life that you're looking for. It was because of the goodness of God. And then you go on, and then three months later, you're right back. And you ask yourself, why am I right back? It's because you didn't do what? You didn't change your mind. 
you kept thinking the same way you thought before you got the breakthrough. The goodness of God is supposed to lead you to change your mind. That old statement about keep doing the same thing, you know, the insanity statement, the insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expect to get different results. So you keep doing what you were doing and the results are the same because you didn't do that one thing that the goodness of God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to change the way you think. I want you to deal with them opinions. I want you to get rid of those attitudes. I want this. I want to let my thoughts come into you and let you have a whole new way of thinking in your life. And when we don't do that, we lose our breakthrough. And I've seen it. I've lost my breakthrough. I had many breakthroughs. I lost. I said, Lord, why? And he said, repent. And I thought I was doing something evil. You know what I'm saying? We think repent. Oh, it's because of these dirty things or these bad things. Many times it's repent because of this low-level thinking. It's just you ain't thinking right. You know? And you just change the way you think. And if you give him your thoughts and you begin to say to him, Lord, these are wrong thinkings because obviously I'm getting bad results. You know, it's like a person who has, who's, they're not sinning with their money. They're just bad with money. And God gives them this windfall of money, and they go through that because they're bad with money. And they're back to the same point. Why? Because they didn't change the way they thought about money. They didn't repent. They didn't let that goodness, that breakthrough, do something different in their thinking. Oh, I need to do something different. I'm going to let my wife run the finances. Because obviously she's not as dumb as me and will just spend money carelessly and recklessly. I know me. That's the way I'm changing my thinking. She's going to think for me when it comes to money. Most of the time. I don't let her get my money I save for myself. I hide it from her. She don't know that. She probably does know. She knows too much. So that's really, that's, that's how the goodness of God works in our lives. That's why we have breakthroughs and we go back. That's, that was the, I finally had, got the answer to Graham's thing. I got it for myself. Lord, I've got to quit thinking about things the way I am. I've got to do something with these opinions. I've got to do something with this attitude. Because it's just ruining me and I'm losing all the precious things that you give me. I have this temporary season of blessing. And then I lose it. Because I didn't change my mind. I didn't repent. Find a new way to think. God wants to offer us that. It's a divine exchange. Well, let me give you the other side of that story. Psalm 27, verse 13. The other side of it, that's when God just releases the goodness to lead you somewhere, to help you do something for you. The other side is this. This is how David approached this thing. He said, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Okay, But notice what he said. I would have despaired unless I had believed. You got that? Believed. In other words, he didn't say, I saw the goodness of the Lord and that kept me from despairing. No, he said something else. He said, I believed I was going to see it. It was a thought in his mind. He wasn't seeing it. You see what I'm saying? He wasn't seeing the goodness of the Lord in his life right then. That's what we lived through last year. We're not seeing the goodness of God like we know He is, but we believe. We think. Our mind says we will see the goodness of the Lord. And your believing rules you. You see that? I gave you the, the, net, the side where God just comes in and does the breakthrough. Now I'm giving you the side where God doesn't come in the breakthrough and you make a decision. You make a choice in your mind to believe something about God. And because you believe that, you look, that sense of despair gets broken off in you. Do y'all see that? Now that's powerful because every day, you, that's, a, that's sort of like a day in, day out deal there. You know, like every day, Lord, you know what? I got some financial problems, but I believe I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in those finances. I believe I am. I'm making a choice. Even though the devil's sitting there saying, no, you're losing everything. It's all done. You're finished. You're a fool. You're finished. But I'm saying, no, I believe. And my believing is going to rule me. And I'm going to believe that way, and God's going to be able to live through my mind. Give me his thoughts. It's a divine exchange. Are y'all good with this? Okay. So, anyways, I wanted to read this word that Donna Culler had because I believe it's a very accurate word from the Lord this morning about breakthroughs. You know, because of the goodness of the Lord. Okay? I want you and I to change our thinking. I want us to get the right attitudes in us. Okay, but I also want, and especially about the goodness of the Lord. Some of you got some di- di- disconnect on that this morning. 
Um, uh, good, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what we'll do. Um, we're going to have a testimony. We had some testimonies in the first service about breakthroughs. Uh, breakthroughs in jobs is one thing I really felt the Lord speak to me about. Uh, Eric Starr, I want to share this. I'm sharing some of Eric. Eric Starr got, he was telling me the other night uh, at Lizzie's benefit, which was really good. If you didn't get to come, that was really great. And if you still want to give to Lizzie, I think you probably could. I don't see no Steins here except Sarah Stein. Oh, I see Lizzie. Uh-huh. Stand up, Lizzie. <laughs> so if she's going, you know, to YWAM, she's going to be taking care of women who have been involved in sex slave. It's like sex slave women, you know, that they've rescued. That's pretty big. I, when she said that, I'm thinking, I'm in. We need to rescue. You can make the Checker River Life Fellowship. You can put Lizzie on it, and we will make sure it all goes to Lizzie. It's very powerful thing she's going to do. Anyways, um, Eric was telling me about his, he got a, a, a performance appraisal. And he said it was the best one he'd ever gotten, ever. And he, and, and he was the, in his department the, the number one man. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's the favor of God. That's a breakthrough because the other job he had, it wasn't like that. The other job, he wasn't like the blessed son in the company, right? He was like, you know, looked upon. I know people who have had jobs, and they weren't liked in their jobs. They didn't really do well in their jobs. And the Lord gave them another job, and they were highly esteemed and highly loved in these other jobs and highly favored in these other jobs. You hear that? That's a breakthrough. That's what Eric's had. Uh, um, David Helton shared that Brandy, Brandy Helton applied, this has been months ago, a couple, two or three months, applied to be a police dispatcher with the Statesville Police Department. Whatever they do, they dispatch stuff. And uh, I'm going to get somebody. Droid. Somebody's in trouble. Jesus used a droid. Yeah. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> I'm falling back on the Bible on that one. <laughs> yeah, he cast those out. <laughs> They're like demons. <laughs> yeah, I'm in trouble now. All right, anyways, she got the job. Brandy Teltings is going to be a police dispatcher. She, that's a breakthrough for her. God is doing breakthroughs. Here's the word. And there's other breakthroughs that are happening. Okay? There's other breakthroughs that are happening. We're in a time of a fresh spirit of breakthrough being released. Okay? For people. Because God's good and God loves us. All we need to do is remember this. If you get a breakthrough. Remember what it's supposed to do. It, Lord, I need to get that thing out of my head. I need to get it out of there. Because I want to keep my breakthrough. I want to walk my breakthrough out. I want to see this breakthrough grow. I don't want to lose my breakthrough. Okay? Two weeks ago, the Lord said to me, this is Donna's word, throw off the grave clothes. One of the things that we do with throwing off grave clothes, one of the grave clothes in those days was this thing over their heads. That's what we're throwing off. You may need some help from other Christians because that's what Jesus said when Lazarus. Hey, unbind him and let him loose. Sometimes we had to unbind, help him get there's parts of us that we can't, there's nothing we can do about it. But we can get that thing off our heads. Like Derek said, it's up to me. We can get it off. God's empowered us to do that. Are y'all good? We are moving into an amazing grace. Amen? An amazing grace. It's grace. We will begin to see breakthrough in waves. We're going to have wave after wave of breakthrough. Don't you love that? Wave after wave. Come on. I'm in. What we are seeing right now is just the tip of the iceberg. And I want to say that uh, about Abby being at church this morning. Wednesday. Wednesday, Abby, her heart was literally not in her body. She was being run off a machine. I'm talking Wednesday afternoon. Okay? And she was in church this morning crying because of Melissa Forsyth. <laughs> I knew I'd get Melissa. Actually, she was crying because of me. <laughs> but that was the Lord. That was a miracle. It's a miracle that baby was. It's a miracle. And that's the tip. That, that's a tip. 
Imagine what the iceberg is going to look like when it comes crashing through here. Woo! The dead will be raised. I'm telling you, we are going to see them raised. We, we haven't got them yet, but we're going to get them. Uh, so I feel like we are supposed to acknowledge these breakthroughs as they come. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So don't be afraid to speak forth boldly. Come on, Ryan. To, claim, to, to proclaim and claim what God's doing and declare it boldly. Amen? All right, I'm going to share a quick, quick story about who, who I am. Because this deals exactly with like believing the lie and getting set free. Years ago, I um, well, ever since I was a little kid, I really struggled. I didn't know what the Father's love was personally. Like my father demonstrated love to me, but he never spoke love over me. And I struggled with that. And that nest built was built was being built over the years. It was being built about how I wasn't good enough and how I wasn't good enough and how I wasn't good enough. And the devil had me, totally had me, to the point where I I'd been to um, a psychiatrist. Uh, for depression and confirmed yep you're depressed here's some here's a prescription and um i fought that inside me something triggered and this is my testimony so i don't you know um i pray for anybody who's struggling with that that you get freedom from it but i don't i won't go into the whole medication thing if like if that's right or wrong it's just my story i didn't feel good i said there's got to be something different and there was a it was coming to a head in my life with my wife at that point she wasn't my wife but I felt like the Lord had her for me. But I did not believe that I was good enough. And I wasn't, probably, if you know my wife. I wasn't, but I didn't believe that I was good enough. And I no way, no way in the world, because I don't deserve her. I'm not good enough for her. I got too many issues. Look at her. I'm not. That, the Lord wouldn't have that for me. No way would Daddy have that for me. And it, it came to that point, And this was like the climax of it, right? And I realized, what? As a matter of fact, my brother helped me realize it. And he said, if the Lord has her for you, then she is good. Then you are good enough for her. Right? And it snapped in me. It snapped. Like the lie that I was believing had come to a head in that area and it snapped. And I was like, oh my gosh. Immediately, the cloud lifted. Immediately. Now, it wasn't done because the devil had a foothold in it, right? The nest was there still. And so over, I set free totally throughout the prescription. Life was good. But even after that, I struggled at times. It was, it was in moments, though, where the devil would put something on me about how I wasn't good enough. And I had to keep coming back to, no, I am good enough because of who I am in the Lord. And so um, I just wanted to share that. Because you can get set free from that stuff. And now I don't. And further, later, the Lord showed me who I really was as, as a son. But in His grace, He started showing that to me years, he, years later. Ten years ago. I've been married to my wife for ten years. So eleven years ago. And God's only really been doing this father-son thing in me for the last maybe year. You know, to where I'm really grafted into sonship. So in His grace, He showed me well before that. But now... I don't thank the Lord. I don't remember the last time that I was hit with that. Because it, it does get easier. But it was hard at first. I had to take it captive and throw it away because it wasn't from the Lord. Because we are good enough in what He has for us. But it was just believing life. Thank you, Jesus. So we wanted to... Yeah. That's, what, that's the power of God. Come out here, Don. Don Gein, going to Argentina. I just wanted to share something that just came to my heart that the author had shared, I shared a whole long time ago. If I can get it together. <clears throat> it's relevant to what uh, Byron's been preaching today. It's a little story. And the story is these two little girls are counting their pennies. And one says to the other, how many pennies do you have? She says, I have five. And says, well, how many do you have? She says, I have ten. She says, you little fibber. Says, you're just like me. You only have five just like I have. She said, yes. But my daddy said when he left to go to work this morning, when he came home, he'd give me five more. So I have ten. 
So what God says to us, we can take it to the bank. Because what we believe will happen. Because if God will work out what he tells you in your life. So if you've got five and he said you have ten, because he's given you a promise. That's good, isn't it? I just, this morning I actually had a dream. Um, this is really wild that Byron and I were at Morningstar in the dream. And that we went up for prayer. And Robin McMillan came over and started praying for us. And when he got to me, he looked at me and said, you have three children. And I really felt like it, it was about my children, but here. And he started singing over me. Dream, the impossible dream. And the whole congregation at Morningstar started singing that. So I feel like, I mean, they were just singing away, dream, the, y'all know that old Andy Williams, dream the impossible dream. So I feel like the Lord is saying that today. Y'all don't know it? Well, go on YouTube, you'll find it. Okay, I'm not going to sing it. But it's really pretty powerful because when I did look up the lyrics, it really is talking about adversity, coming through adversity. And, um, and the Lord's really wanting us to dream the impossible dreams over you. God is saying that this morning. And that He's wanting us to change the mind and, uh, and believe. And this just keeps coming to me that uh, something Bill Johnson twittered a few weeks ago. To not be in belief is to be in disobedience. And so that really is that thing that we, we really have to realize and we're not really believing what God has said to us is really not believing what Derek Prince said, the work of the cross. So, amen. That's powerful, isn't it? So we want, Ryan, would you come back up? Ryan and Eric, you know, we're going to pray for, if you suffer with that thing that Ryan was talking about, get him. And uh, Eric Starr, if you are a person who needs a breakthrough with your job in particular, Eric, we want Eric to really pray for you. It's got to, Sherry, will you come out here and help him, you know, for other people since she part of the deal? Any, anybody else? Uh, Matthew's going to be praying for the sick. We'd like to get uh, um, these two guys sitting over here, sitting there just having a good old time doing nothing, playing with their iPhones. I, yeah, I think y'all come on out here. We want y'all to be praying for people. Uh, any, were anybody else in their 20s in here right now? Come up here. We want you to pray for people. Okay, we want you to release the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Let's pray for Daniel. Daniel's going back to California. Man, look at these. This is one of the people who are going with us to China. We're taking somebody in their twenties over there to download some stuff. We want you. You know, this is one way you you get the, the thing going in you. Is you release it out of you. And I want you guys to come on up now and start receiving from the Lord from these people. No matter what it is healing in your bodies, healing in your minds. You know, healing for your heart. Whatever it is, God wants to do something for you today. Get this revelation that God lives from abundance. He wants us to live from abundance. Amen. So y'all come on and get one one of these folks to pray for you and, and begin to release.